Hey anime friend, you're listening to the podcast version of this video. If you're a person who loves visuals, I suggest checking out the Anime T YouTube. That's also where you can leave your thoughts on the topics I talk about in this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Peace! Have you ever stopped to wonder why is anime so obsessed with beautiful boys? Well, we're going to answer that today. Welcome anime friends. If you're new here, hi, my name is Phoenix. I am the host of the Anime Tea and I like to dive into the visual world of anime and sometimes manga on a weekly basis. Today we're going to be diving into the history of Bishonen, aka beautiful boys in anime, why their particular aesthetic is inspired by a young Swedish actor from the 70s, and other beautiful boys throughout Japanese history that helped create the aesthetic as well as the tropes that we know from many different anime that feature Bishonen. So, let's begin. Now you probably can already guess this, but Bishonen literally translates to beautiful boy. That's why I will be switching between beautiful boy or Bishonen. An important point to make as well is that Bishonen is beautiful boy and Bishoujo is beautiful girl. So we're not talking about Bishoujo today, just Bishonen because Bishoujo has its own unique history that is solely separate from Bishonen. I may get into it in another video, but for the most part, we're focusing only on the boys today. Today is the day for the boys, okay? We're here to talk about beautiful boys. And that is what I plan to do. Bishonen can be defined by these couple of traits, though some of the traits can be mixed and matched, and not all of these traits are always in a Bishonen character design. For the most part, if you see a couple of these, then it's more likely that this character is a Bishonen. For example, Bishonen tend to have medium to long hair that is also sometimes curly. Usually the hair is usually bright colors as well, like blonde or red, but also many Bishonen have uh, slightly longer hair that's straight black as well. Um, there's also sharp angular features, particularly sharp chins and noses, which we will get into explaining later. Additionally, Bishonen tend to have long limbs and torsos. If you think of almost any clamp series and think of the characters in there and the boys in there, they all have a really long limbs. Their proportions are like way longer than normal, and that's usually the case for most Bishonen. Occasionally, Bishonen tend to have more pronounced lips and larger eyes, which kind of feed into the idea that more Bishonen are uh, supposed to look kind of more androgynous and have features that resemble more feminine traits. As we know, large eyes are usually associated with Bishoujo characters, and even in shoujo uh, series as well, lots of the characters have, tend to have larger eyes, as well as more pronounced lips gives them kind of more of a feminine look. Bishonen tend to not have more masculine traits, squared chins, squared uh, body proportions. Um, neither do they usually have large bulging muscles. If you see more masculine looking characters like that, they probably aren't Bishonen, but there are some Bishonen that are drawn with uh, lots of muscles. That doesn't mean that they are not Bishonen, it just means that there's a combination of muscles, but they still have the other traits that we defined earlier. Now that we know what a Bishonen is, let's explore the birth of the term and how it was used to describe the real beautiful youths in history. The term is said to have originated from a 
poem from the Tang Dynasty known as Eight Immortals of the Wine Cup by Du Fu, in which the uh, writer describes a young, beautiful boy uh, that is the son of one of the higher-ups in the Imperial Palace. But we are going to start there with the young boy servants, particularly in Japanese monasteries and their influence on the monks there. So in the 13th century, there was a group of boys known as Chigo, which literally translates to child, even though sometimes in historical references, they translate to acolytes, which I feel like is just like the PG version because like Chigo were often in relationships with older monks. So instead of saying child, they said acolyte, but you know, I digress. Chigo were boy attendants at both Shinto and Buddhist monasteries who performed some peripheral religious duties. Starting in around the 13th century, stories of Chigo and their relationships with monks in monasteries became circulated. For the most part, these stories were pretty dang depressing. The main point seemed to be that the Chigo, the beautiful, ephemeral, but ultimately worldly, attainable being, which is just this young, beautiful boy, was often killed off in like the worst way. And then in the end, the monk that they had the relationship with would uh, renounce all worldly possessions and things and go back to being a pious monk who only cared about his religious mission and nothing else. So basically he kind of set the monks up as the heroes and just killed off all these beautiful boys for no reason, even though they were kind of just literally existing and doing their job. There are also plenty of stories that focus more on the more erotic portions of the story, talking more about the actual relationships between the monks and the Chigo. Some of the monks were just really interested in the, you know, the steamy stories. Unfortunately though, because of the desirability of these Bishonen, of these Chigo, relationships with Chigo often led to violence amongst the monks which is like the total opposite of anything you would think of in monks if you think of a monk you think of like this really calm peaceful person and that was not what was happening because geo were literally destroying any common sense i guess at the time so yeah beautiful boys have been destroying relationships for several centuries now that's good to know. <laughs> but this constant violence amongst monks in monasteries led to the acolytes eventually being banned from most of the monasteries. But Bishonen didn't disappear entirely. They actually became more synonymous with Wakashu. Now there is a bigger channel on YouTube known as Linfamy that dives more into like Japanese culture and like these different aspects such as Wakashu, Chigo, and other aspects of like Bishonen kind of in Japan that I recommend that you watch. They're really interesting. My quick rundown of like who Wakashu were will help us kind of understand how the Bishonen aesthetic kind of survived all these centuries all the way down to now where we still have them in Japanese media and anime and manga and things like that. So basically Wakashu literally translates to a young person and they can only, they have to be biologically male and it's particularly the time when they are a youth and uh, between the coming of age ceremony. But age wasn't completely a factor. There was other factors such as the dress and the hairstyle. So Wakashi were able to wear women's uh, kimono and clothing. They were also able to keep their hair longer in the front where the style at the time was for men to cut their hair uh, kind of like bald in the front and keep their hair in the back. Wakashu were able to have this little thing called a forelock which kind of like formed at the front like downward and in between was a little tiny bald spot which differentiated them from women and men. They were most known for being like romantically and sexually desired by both men and women of various classes at the time and kind of being the romantic partners of both. 
when they were lovers of women, they had to be more dominant, or uh, at least that was the rules. And when they were lovers of men, they had to be more passive, again, or at least that was the rules, because, you know, whatever goes on in the bedroom just stays in the bedroom. We don't know what's going on. But these were the rules uh, required of the wakashu and anyone who had relationships with them. Also, the relationships between wakashu and older men who acted as their teachers for life, for work, and most importantly for sexual relationships kind of ended up being a really prominent aspect of a wakashi life. This was known as shudo, which we should stop and think about for a second as like how interesting this era of time was where Japan literally had a group of people that they considered like a possible third gender between male and female which acted in sexual relationships between all of the genders uh, even though wakashu relationships were banned like they were not allowed to be in romantic or sexual relationships with one another but you know i'm sure that still happened though <laughs> at the same time though it's unfortunate that the youngest earliest age that wakashu could exist was seven years old kind of similar to chigo they were very young and they were also teenagers again different time different life but it's also an interesting to point out that wakashu were not entirely defined by age but more by style basically as long as they decided or their family decided how long they wanted to dress and present themselves as wakashu basically have the forelock of the bald spot and dress you know in women's clothing then they can continue to do that as long as they or their family permitted along this note too particularly in how like wakashu kind of play into like anime today is the art form of kabuki. Kabuki is a all-male theatrical troupe. Male performers perform both male and female roles that are like romanticized versions of Japanese history. During this time, wakashu also were allowed to play in kabuki and they played, you know, they most predominantly played women roles and this kind of led to the idea of, you know, beautiful young men presenting themselves as more feminine or even just men outside of wakashu you know, dressing feminine and cross-dressing and wearing makeup because that's the role that they were playing in kabuki. And even to this day, kabuki performers are well-known and beloved and liked for their looks as well as their performances. We also need to discuss how ukiyo-e paintings, which are like the infamous Japanese paintings from that period, also probably played a role in how bishonen are portrayed today. Not that they look anything like the depictions of the past because wakashu and the style that the ukiyo-e paintings have in presenting Japanese people is totally different than how they are presented in anime and manga, which we will get into in a second, but it can still be closely related to how Japan later became so intertwined like globally with the idea of painting, artwork, animation, and things like that. Especially in the depictions of beautiful boys. And if you look at a lot of depictions of ukiyo paintings, you may start to notice now that you are aware of the bald spot and the forelock that some of these depictions are actually of wakashu and not of women. But unfortunately, this period didn't last forever because by the 1800s, Japan had gotten a new emperor, had opened its borders to the rest of the world, and therefore had opened itself up to Western influences. And since during that time, a lot of countries, specifically Western countries, practiced uh, Christianity, which heavily promoted the idea of only masculine and feminine, male and female, and nothing in between or other. Japan also followed suit by erasing wakashu from their culture. But the idea of bishonen will not be lost to Japanese culture entirely because by the 1970s, when anime and manga was starting to really boom and grow in popularity, the image of one young Swedish actor ended up unintentionally becoming the face of the bishonen aesthetic that we all know and love today. 
This actor's name is Bjorn Anderson, and in the 1970s, he performed in the movie Death in Venice, which follows a older man kind of falling for a young, sickly boy. Yeah, it's one of those. The movie caught a lot of attention worldwide, but particularly so in Japan, not so much because of the movie, even though I don't think we should ignore the fact that, you know, the movie focuses on a relationship between an older man and a young boy. In the time of Wakashu and in the time of Jigo, they were also in relationships with older adult men. So yeah, we should still acknowledge that. But most importantly, the reason why Japan kind of became obsessed with Death in Venice was only because of Bjorn Anderson's looks. Essentially, Bjorn Anderson went on a tour of Japan where he posed for magazines and, you know, just ate Japanese food and, and Japanese people fawned over him being so foreign, essentially. In particular, one mangaka who is known for, praised for, and criticized for creating the genres of shonen ai, boys love, and subsequently Yaoi is Keiko Takemiya, who is a member of the Year 24 group, which is a group from the 1970s of a bunch of women mangaka who were trying to shift the creation of shoujo manga, manga made for young girls, from being written by men to being written by women. The Year 24 group is a term coined by critics, but it is not the term that the group of women themselves like identify with as like what they want it to be called. There isn't a one-size-fit-all term to really describe all of them, especially since a lot of the women were not born in the year 24, they were born like previous as well as after, and they've all kind of made different contributions to the medium themselves. The Artisan Geek has a really good in-depth video about the year 24 group, so if you want to learn a little bit more about that, I highly suggest their video. Anyway, Takamiya ended up using Anderson's image in her works, and you can clearly see the resemblance, as well as because of the popularity of her works, uh, because she was pioneering a whole new subculture of women who were obsessed with bishonen stories. Her imagery and her art style kind of spread across shoujo medium. Things like flawless, often porcelain skin, angular facial features, and large eyes. I couldn't find any evidence that directly linked Takamiya's art style to Anderson's look, but I can see why many people speculate that she uh, used Anderson's looks in her style. Her main characters, particularly in Kasetoki no Uta, almost one for one is a representation of Anderson's looks. He has this sharp chin and long nose. He has pronounced lips, curling blonde bangs, as well as a thin kind of wispy willowy frame. But there are also speculations that she was inspired by other young boy actors in particularly French films since many of her series are also set in France. Yes, there is more than one influence, but we shouldn't ignore the prominence of Anderson's looks in not only her style, but other styles of beautiful boys in anime and manga as well. And arguably, this kind of leads to some other point that I'm tr I've been trying to make in another video, breaking down like the race of anime characters and how lots of anime characters are technically based off of a character design known as Mukokoseki, which means that they kind of just have this universal look that doesn't make them quite Japanese, but not quite any other race in the world. Though there is a really big influence by Western movies and media and how anime and manga was being inspired by those movies and TV shows, uh, which featured predominantly white actors and therefore had similar aesthetics to those actors. So this is kind of why a lot of characters do look more white or have more white features. I will put this video out eventually, I'm working on it. Look forward to that. It's insane how Takamiya's influence, uh, her art's influence, was able to permeate so deeply into 
all aspects of anime and manga with lots of other shoujo manga artists also using the same aesthetics in their works to create really beautiful looking male characters. Even Gundam at the time used the aesthetic to create beautiful looking boys to appeal to a more female audience and you know get a broader audience than just males for its anime. So if you look back at that time, like the 70s, 80s, even 90s anime, you will notice that a lot of the anime at the time that was geared towards uh, young girls or women had really similar facial features, uh, again, the long chins and everything. But additionally, they also usually had curly hair, particularly because of Anderson's look, which would later kind of be phased out to more like straight hair as like anime styles changed in like the 2000s and stuff. Um, and you may notice less curly haired Bishonen characters uh, and more straight haired, kind of angular haired Bishonen characters. Honestly, I just went over like the very basics of Bjorn Anderson's influence in Bishonen anime. Quoth Studio actually has a really good video breaking down influence and why it became so prevalent and why it's so desirable. And I think you should watch that. I'll put it up here somewhere. But now that we know where the Bisho is that it came from, like the history of it, let's discuss its influence on modern culture, on modern anime, and the good and bad aspects of its existence. Honestly, the nature of Bishonen is pretty complex. On one hand, you have the fact that Bishonen has allowed straight women to express their desires, um, kind of find new interesting ways to talk about romance in a medium that kind of was being redundant uh, for a long time and completely changed the way that shoujo manga and anime is written as well as influenced shonen anime and manga as well and kind of leads to this global uh, acceptance of the medium. Mishonen also was kind of a way to explore sexuality and gender unlike any other aspect of anime um, or manga in that it focused more on characters that were more androgynous that kind of blurred the lines between masculinity and femininity not even just in uh, this medium but also in real life with the pop culture stars as well as in the past with historical figures like the Chico and Wakashu. And Bishonen also showed that femininity and masculinity aren't like the ends of the spectrum. There is a line in between that can be explored and looked at and kind of understood um, as we look into not only the looks of these Bishonen, but also the roles that they play, um, the types of characters that they are, and the types of people that they are actually based off of. But on the other hand though, not everything about Bishonen is perfect. For example, romantic homosexual relationships paved a way for inclusion, but were not exactly inclusive. Especially since these relationships between the beautiful youths were used as a way to express like straight women's sexual desires and not so much to express the actual lives of gay men in real life. Also, we can't ignore like the actual impacts that the term Bishonen kind of had on the real people that inspired the aesthetic in anime and manga today. Like the real Bishonen history that we talked about, the Chigo of Makashu, and how they were possibly used, groomed, and or abused by the adults in their lives, at young ages, might I add. Even though historians say for some of them, particularly the Chigo, that they had a lot of power and kind of were the dominating force in their relationships, I don't think we should ignore, especially based off of the written depictions of the Chigo and how they were often ab abused or killed off in their stories, the possible negative um, or abusive 
things that they had to go through in real life. Additionally, I think it's really sad in particular that Bjorn Anderson's image was being used for mostly erotic purposes when he was still only a minor at the time. Not only was his image being used in anime and manga to kind of like sell to young girls to like attract them to him, but even in real life his image was being used to sell to older gay men who were attracted to him as well because of the movie that he was in um, and how they affected like real life people and how they can continue to affect real life people. I mean, many pop stars, especially in J-pop and K-pop are referred to as bishonen and this can have a negative effect because we are like putting this kind of, we're kind of putting this idealized stereotype on real people when at the end of the day they are real people so they're gonna have flaws. Um, they're not gonna look like as perfect as a drawing will and it kind of, perpetuates this idea that you know older or like the possibility of older people kind of being attracted to you know very young depictions of real people or like the not not that not necessarily that they're all young but that they look young or that they continue to look young there are many aspects of Bishonen that are not perfect but we also can acknowledge how much it has positively impacted the medium of anime and manga as well. As I like to say in most of my videos, I enjoy being able to criticize as well as like just look deeply into different aspects of the stories and the different attributes that we watch and read because I think that it creates like a deeper conversation about the rest of the world rather than just in this anime and manga. So the way that Bishonen has like permeated so many aspects of anime and manga not just content targeted towards women or straight women but also to straight young boys as well which is a whole interesting dynamic that we should talk about for another video i was gonna add in this one but it's already long enough also i'm making a video talking about the director of free banana fish and skate the infinity hiroko utsumi and how she was able to use bishonen as create several really successful series that appeal to women anyway beautiful boys are here to stay i'm glad that they exist but i think it's also important that we acknowledge like the problematic tropes that still persist in the anime that also kind of come from the history of Bishonen that existed in real life in Japan. And of course, I'm just human, so if I got anything wrong or if I didn't say something correctly, please let me know uh, politely in the comments below and I will make sure to address it in the comments as well and maybe address it in another video. So thank you for watching and I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace!